Hey everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Mindset Podcast. I'm honestly so grateful that you're subscribed to my podcast and I'm excited to share yet another episode with you. This podcast is all about bringing servant leaders to share their top five actionable life lessons with you all in hopes to inspire you to take more action in your life and find your true purpose. Today I have such a phenomenal guest. I'm honestly honoured and grateful to have had her on my show. Her name is Laura Gassner Otting or for sure LGO and she's a Washington Post best-selling author and motivational keynote speaker. She inspires people to push past the doubt and indecision that keeps great ideas in limbo because her presentations make listeners think bigger and accept greater challenges that reach beyond their limited scope of belief. She delivers strategic thinking, well-honed wisdom and perspective generated by decades of navigating change across the startup, non-profit, political as well as philanthropic landscapes. Laura dares listeners to find their voice and generate the confidence needed to tackle larger-than-life challenges. She leads them to seek new ways of leading, managing and mentoring others. In this episode, Laura shared her amazing top five life lessons, which has helped her grow into the servant leader that she is today. And here they are. The first one being listening beats talking. Second, proximity beats illusion. Third, impact beats busyness. Fourth, Future money beats current money. And fifth, we beats me. At the end, she shared an amazing quote where she says, when your time is being prioritized by somebody else, you are not prioritizing yourself. Make sure you all go and reach out to Laura. And without further ado, let's get straight into this episode. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for being with me on the Purposeful Mindset podcast. I'm super grateful to have your time, number one. Um, after after watching your TED talk, I was absolutely like just stunned at how amazingly you put it together, the storytelling, like everything. I was kind of taking so many tips as a speaker myself and a coach. I was trying to learn like how how is she kind of storytelling? How is she kind of doing it? Because, you know, as speakers and coaches, we always learn from one another. And we're like, what's her style? What's his style? Like, oh, I like that. I'll, I'll take that from her style. or I'll take that from his style. And then we make our own unique style from it. So I loved your TED Talk. I checked out your book and I know that I'm going to pick it up for sure. And also your content online. I just love how authentic you are. Like, <laughs> it's just like so real. It's, it's, it's literally my audience know me as that authentic vulnerable real guy you know like he doesn't he doesn't like make things up he's not just that fake it till you make it guy he's just like shares it how it is so I love the authenticity and the vulnerability that you share on your content but honestly this is not about me this podcast episode is literally about me wanting to just be quiet and let's listen to Laura's top life lessons so what would you say to my audience that are listening or watching this on YouTube right now what would you say throughout your journey in business in life you know, everything that you've been through so far, what would you say if you were to summarize everything in five lessons, what would those be for Laura? Okay. Do you want me to give you all five at once and then we can discuss them? Just go for it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Number one, listening beats talking. Okay. You can't learn anything when you're talking. You can learn a lot when you're listening. Number two, proximity beats illusion. So we think that we have to be in like the most important job with the biggest title, but really you get to meet a whole lot more people and learn a whole lot more if you're in the office of the big person, even if you have a smaller job. Mm. Number three, uh, impact beats busyness. And we confuse impact for action all the time, which is why we are so busy trying to get to inbox zero, but we're not actually getting things done. Number four, future money beats current money. 
So doing the things to invest in where you're going to be later, not maximizing full profit right now so that you can maximize fuller profit later matters. And then lastly, and most importantly, we beats me every day of the week. Mm. Oh my so those gosh. are my top five. Where do you want to start? Oh my gosh, I'm excited. I just like want to just jump in all of them. But let's go with the first one. The, the first one that you shared was listening beats talking, right? Yes. And that honestly, if, if if I may just add this one my little bit before you start, because I, I I want you to share your like the most right now. But for me in my journey so far, I was the guy that always used to want to talk more than I used to listen. And after I read the book How to Win Friends and Influence People, that's the book that shifted it for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I became everybody's best friend because like Sadiq, yo, my dad, you're so you're such a good listener, you're such an amazing coach, you're such a good friend. How? And I just always tell everybody, listening is my secret. Yes. You, you yes. Want, it's just amazing. So yeah, go for it. Share. Yeah. I mean, so I make my living as a public speaker. I make my living as a media personality. I make my living being out there, right? Talking. And yet I'm a raging introvert. Like I just, I, I do not work a room. I am not the life of the party. I'm the person who kind of hangs out in the corner all the time. And what I realized is that a good offense is a great defense. So if I'm asking questions, then I'm in control of the conversation all the time. If I'm on stage giving a talk, I'm waiting for my audience to say their part. They're just saying their part in their head, right? Mm -hmm. Still a conversation. So for me, listening in a conversation means I'm asking questions. I'm listening for the answer. I'm not just waiting for them to stop talking so I can start again. I'm actually adding on and amplifying and going deeper to what I hear when I'm on stage. That means while they're saying their part, even though it's quiet, I'm watching their body language. I'm listening for the ahas. I'm listening for the yes. I'm listening for the laughter. Those are the kinds of things I think if we're always listening, if we go from the antenna being pointed in to the antenna being pointed outward, we can leapfrog competition. We can learn so much more. We can get farther. We can affect change in the causes we hold dear because we are actually taking in more information and information is I think always power 100% honestly I love that and I, and just to kind of throw something in there again like it for me like uh, when people say um like why why don't well when people say why am I always the last person to speak there's a reason why like I like to get everybody's insights first before I share my own my own mm-hmm. and pretty much most of the time when I do that and I let everyone else share their bit first and I go last Mine actually tends to change while I'm listening to everyone else's because you get everyone's insight and you actually have more data right now to kind of process in your own mind and be like, oh, actually, that's a good point. Let me reshift my one and kind of put it over there. Right. Right. I mean, the human species exists because we evolve. Yeah. So you can't evolve if you're just talking the entire time. Yeah, definitely. I love Honestly, that's so powerful. Okay, cool. So we could jump straight into the second one if you want, because I because this one was like a, a really powerful one that a lot of my audience already know that I talk about the, the power of listening. So I'm I'm ready to go for the second one now. <laughs> okay. Um, I th- don't remember what order I did them in. So I think I said proximity beats illusion. Yeah. yeah. Proximity to power beats the illusion of power. So. When I was in my very first real grown-up job, I was a presidential appointee in Bill Clinton's White House, and I helped create AmeriCorps. Now, that sounds really fancy, but I got the coffee for the guy who got the coffee for the guy who got the coffee. I mean, I was a nobody, but I was a nobody in the office of the CEO 
of AmeriCorps, which became a national service program here in the United States where more than one million young people have served their communities in exchange for college tuition. Kind of a big deal, dude. And because he was kind of a big deal dude, he was having conversations with U.S. senators, with congressmen, with governors, with heads of industry, CEOs, entrepreneurs, donors. And I was the one in the office who was listening to all the things that were happening, who were watching how relationships were created, who um, got to know people on the way in, got to know them on the way out, was able to form those relationships. So years later, I could have conversations with them. And if I tried to be the director of, I don't know, some random division in some random place, that would not put me in proximity to being able to actually see and get to know really important people so that later when I did things, I could tap into that huge network that I developed. So it's a little bit of listening beats talking because I was able to listen while I was there. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I tell young people today, get the, whatever the biggest job is you can get in the biggest office you can get. But don't worry about getting the biggest job in the smallest office because that's not going to teach you anything. You'll be no. producing. Maybe you'll be making money. Maybe you'll have a great title. Maybe you'll have a prestigious you know, thing on your resume, but you're not going to learn anything and that's going to catch up to you pretty fast. Yeah, I agree. And I, honestly, like... So my in, from, in my background, I actually work in uh, in, uh, in Morgan Stanley, which I'm pretty sure everybody in the US knows and the UK. So I, I remember when I first started my role over around seven, eight years ago, um, I actually started off like as like the postman in the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally the guy that would come to Laura and be like, hey, Laura, this is your Mailroom, package. yeah. Yeah, like literally I was that post guy. For one whole year, I did that and I hustled and I grinded and I really worked hard because I wanted to get the just the most out of the peak, like the network, right? I wanted yes. to people, I wanted to go. So I actually think today in the, in the kind of position that I am now, like is when I went from the postman to like the trade analyst is because of the people that I met in the bank. And yeah. it's because that I got, I got to like go and network. And even though I was saying, hey, Laura, this is your package, please sign here. Most of the time they would start like that person in the office or the directors or the MDs, they will start a conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Like, How's your day? Is it busy today? It looks like you've got a lot on your trolley and that conversation is like, I'm just thinking, wow, like there are actually some nice people that work here, not just yes. the arrogant ones that I thought. Yes, yes, yes. And getting to know them, I mean, people are people. Like, you know, years later when I was running my executive search firm, I would be able to pick up the phone. Like I'd have a staff member be like, oh my God, I've been trying to get so-and-so on the line for weeks and they won't answer the call. And I'm like, oh, hold on a second. And I'd literally like pick up my phone, text me and be like, hey, call my staffer back. And they're like, oh, sorry. And then their phone would ring. And they're like, how'd you do that? How do you know them? Like, how do you know the former United States Secretary for the Treasury? I'm like, because we knew each other when we were both nobodies. Mm-hmm. And I like, I think collecting people just based on their title doesn't make any sense. But collecting, mm-hmm. like, in at the end of my book, I actually, I actually profile the former U.S. Secretary of the Treasury, and mm-hmm. I ask him why he came to work at AmeriCorps, why he did what he did, and he said, I just. I like the people who were there. And I think if you do interesting things with interesting people, interesting opportunities arise. Now, he wasn't the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury when he came to work there, and he wasn't Obama's chief of staff, and he wasn't the head of the Office of Management and Budget, and he wasn't Hillary Clinton's chief of staff when she was Secretary of State. He was just a lawyer who worked in a New York law firm who thought that the guy who I just talked about, the CEO, was an interesting guy. So he did an interesting thing with an interesting guy and look where his career ended up. Yeah. And it's, it's, honestly, it's just all about meeting the one person, right, Laura? Like just mm-hmm. one person, whether it's through Clubhouse or Instagram, right? Because now everybody's at home and it's all online. Yes. So you meet that one person online. Like the perfect example is like how I bring the, like 
people like yourself onto the podcast like all I did was ask I didn't do anything fancy I just thought yeah. okay she's got x amount of followers maybe it might take her some time to get to get to my dms and my messages but like I think a day later you replied saying let's do it and I was like oh my god like and yeah. this is the person that I, I would have well most people would have been worried to dm because like oh they're never going to reply so what's the point of even sending the message I sent the message. It's how I got my TED Talk, Laura. I didn't get invited to do my TED Talk. Right. I hustled and I emailed like 30, 40 people. I commented, I stalked people, I DM'd them. I followed every TEDx page there was until one of them like got my attention. And I was like, I would love to come and serve. I would love to yes. come and support. Yes. And, and they finally, someone allowed me to. Yeah, I mean, what's the worst that happened? Someone says no. I mean, yeah. yeah. I can tell you based on 20 years of doing executive search, if the ideal person, if the ideal candidate for a job is a little annoying, they're still the ideal candidate for the job. And if somebody who is not right for the job is in my DMs every single day, they're still not the right person for the job. Like it mm-hmm. just, you got to ask, you got to ask because lots of other people are asking. Yeah. And not just more than once. And even if it is once, it has, you have to ask in a different, unique way. Yeah. Like I remember this really powerful story. I want to quickly add this because I went to an event once and there was a guy speaking on stage and he said, I get people that want to work for me all the time, always sending me DMs on Instagram. I never replied to them because they're always the same. But one day in my office, one of my PA came and brought me this gold envelope and said, Steve, this has your name on it. It was a gold envelope. So because it was a gold envelope, he at first asked his PA, like, how come you picked out that one? She obviously just, you know, naturally said, well, it was the most fanciest one in the group. So I thought, oh, what's this gold one? This looks like important. So she just took him that one straight away out of all the other people's, like from the pile of that letter, those letters. She took the gold one, took it to him. He opened it up. It was like the best like resume message type of personalized greeting slash mm. like, like basic message to him like I want I would love to work for you even if it's for free I'll do it without pay and like it was so vulnerable and authentic yes and that person he literally contacted them and said you got the job like come to my office we're gonna have a chat and you pretty much got the job just because of the fact that they're different they're creative they're unique yeah. they wasn't just the same old dm or email they were like yes whole personalization behind it yes Yeah, it's great. It's really important. You know, Amy Cuddy, uh, the famous power poser, right? Amy Cuddy uh, blurbed my book. Her blurb is on the front cover of my book. And the blurb says, um, a counterintuitive, fast-moving kick in the pants, right? A counterintuitive, (laughs) fast-moving kick in the pants. This book is a manifesto to throwing off those nagging and burdens and external expectations that hold us back. If you are ready to step bravely into the life you want, this book should be at the top of your reading list. Now, did she do it because I asked her once? No. Did she do it because I asked her twice? No. I think I sent her DMs. I sent her emails. I I sent her tweets. I tried everything. And then I saw her at an event and I was like, hi, I'm the person who's stalking you. (laughs) And she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so overwhelmed with all of my messages. I'm writing my next book. I can't do this. How can I help you? And I was like, well, I really wanted to interview you for my book. And now it's too late because I already sent it in, but I just wanted to say hello and tell you that I'm the person who's been stalking you. And I just wanted to introduce myself face to face. And she said, well, you can't, since you can't interview me for my, for the book, because it's too late. Here's what I can do. Since I'm not in the book, I can blurb the book. Why don't you send me your manuscript? That is amazing. And the fact that she even came up with the idea herself, you didn't even have to ask, right? She came up with that saying, I would love to, since you already sent it off, I would love to just be on the blurb. Like, wow. I was like, you could wait, what, what? 
<laughs> I'm sorry, wait, wait. What? <laughs> Say that again? What? I was like, I can do that. <laughs> and then I think I went into the bathroom and I did like one of those happy dances. Like, <laughs> yeah, like quick, quick little happy dance. Oh my God. Wow. Yes. And then she did. And yes. So powerful. And she wrote it so powerfully. Like what she wrote there was like amazing. Like, yeah. like eye grabbing and everything. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And everyone's like, how'd you get her to blurb the book? And I was like, because I stalked her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, here's a, but this is a very important thing because here, here, here's something I learned. In searching for blurbs for the book, and I will tell you that there is nothing more rejection-filled than asking people to blurb your book. I asked like 50 different people to blurb my book and some of them said yes immediately and some of them never responded. Some of them said no. And I called a friend of mine and I was like, how come all the A-listers are saying yes so quickly, but all the B-listers are barely getting back to me? And the C-listers are saying no, like, no, sorry, I don't have time for you. The A-listers say yes immediately. And he was like, yeah, how do you think they got to be A-listers? Mm-hmm. Yep, so powerful. So when you say like you 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 sent me a DM and you're like, hey, I've I've seen you, I've heard you, I've, you know, I'm I'm I want to. I want you to be on my podcast. I was like, yes. Actually, did you know what, Laura? It wasn't even the, just the first DM. It was actually, it was actually because you were on, uh, you were on Amberly's. Uh, do you know you um, you know Amberly Lago, right? Amberly Lago, yes. So great, you were on great her, yeah. So you were on her podcast, and I think literally it was just like a week ago from from the time of this podcast. Now, like I I saw one of the one of the posts that she shared, and it was it had oh yeah, it was the one that you Amberly. And one of the one of the speaker were doing an event together, three of you. Heather Monahan, yes, we were doing. Yeah, yes, Heather, that's yes. it. Yeah, Heather Monahan, that's it. And I have had Heather on the show as well. And yeah, you guys were doing an event, and I and I came and commented on that, saying three powerful women are going to be doing this amazing event. You guys are going to crush it. I can't wait. To yes, see. yes. And and then you came and replied, and because you replied to the comment, I was like, this since she's on her phone, I'm a psychological type of guy, so I know when somebody does something at the instant of the time that I'm doing it, it clearly means they're on the phone. So if I go to the DMs now, most likely they'll be checking the DMs right now too. But here's the really important thing that you did. You gave before yeah. you asked, Yeah. right? You, you gave before you asked. So Adam Grant has a book called Givers and Takers. And there are so many mm-hmm. people who they come to me and the first question is something for them. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know you, but because you were generous, like how long did it take you to write that comment? Four seconds, Exactly. maybe? That was it. And because you took four seconds and you amplified me, and you amplified my friends, I was like, yeah, cool. This guy's down. I'm awesome. Happy to help. Happy to get in his sidecar. Love it. And so I, honestly, it's, it's exactly the type of, when I coach my clients, I always tell them, you have to give way more than you take from anyone. Yes. And it's just so true because if I, like as a coach, I can never be able to just give everybody everything that I have, but not expect anything back from them. Imagine my clients, I was telling them to like take action this week on your goals and do this, do this, yes. do this but they don't do anything. They yes. are the people you're talking about. They are the B-listers. They are the ones that don't take action. Mm-hmm. Even though you're there trying to convince them that it's going to help your life, not my life. My life's already changing. I'm yeah. already taking action. Absolutely. So, yeah, always give value. Like, always be of service to others first before we can ever take or ask for help or ask for something that we, that we want as well. Yes, yes, I yes. I love it. So that's the second one. So what, what was the third one that you mentioned? So the third one was future money beats current money. So I think a lot of times we try to maximize our earnings today, this moment, with this deal. And the truth is that 
this day, this moment, this deal is only, only exists to put us in place for tomorrow, for the next moment, for the next deal. And if we could be, to again, all of these build on each other, if we can be more generous with the way that we are approaching every deal so that we know we don't have to maximize every single dollar in every single deal. And I'll give you an example. When I sold uh, my, my last business, I sold it to my team for a dollar plus a percentage of revenue for the following five years. If I had maximized the, the, the valuation of the company we did before I left, I would have actually made less money. There was this worry that, well, okay, it's a professional services firm. Laura founded it. We've been running for 15 years. We've got a, you know, 30 staff, lots of, you know, several million dollars of, of, of revenue, work all around the world. When Laura leaves, will the company still be worth the same thing? And there was a little bit of fear of like, what if it isn't? And then we paid her out and we're like left holding the bag. And we came to a decision that rather than them paying me out, rather than me maximizing every dollar from that valuation, I said, how about this? Why don't I sell it to you for a dollar, which means that it's not a taxable event for you. It means I'm actually out 100% fully. So like, you're, I'm not just like selling you my shares a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, losing power, but keeping liability. I'm just going to be completely out. It's a dollar. Everybody wins. And you pay me a percentage of revenue for the next five years, which is about as far back as I can cast a shadow. After five years, I can't really claim their success. We did that. We agreed to do that. And it turns out by year three and a half, they pay me the valuation from the original. And I made a whole lot more money because I didn't try to maximize the value every single dollar from that deal. I could have walked away with a big check in the beginning, but I ended up knowing that future money would be more than current money. And I walked away with a bigger check at the end. Exponential growth, right? It's, yes. It's the first thing that I learned from my first kind of personal growth insight when I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad when he talked about like exponential growth. And then I I, th- I can't remember which other book it was. I read this other book where the guy there was a little story in the book where I, I can't remember it was like a I think it was a Japanese story of the the Japanese master one day was gave like a, a guy uh, one grain of rice for thirty mm-hmm. for thirty days, and he said you can either take the one grain of rice for thirty days or you could take I think it was something like three million dollars uh, right now which one would you choose um and he the guy just chose the three million dollars like, i thank you very much i'll take that but mm-hmm. but he didn't know it's because it's because of exponential growth that rice that one rice would have doubled to two would have become four and then eight 16 then it would have just kept doubling until it became like sacks and sacks and sacks of rice that he could have sold for way more and yes. made so much more profit in the long run but mo- yes that, that was a kind of shift for me when it was like Lots of people right now in life, they focus on getting everything now fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm always like, no, 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 no. you got to have a long-term vision, but short-term actions. So Correct. T- take action today, but don't expect you're going to get anything now. It's going to come yes. later. Yeah. And I mean, there's two numbers, right? There's the need to make number. Like, what do I need to make? Everyone's got to put food on their table. You got to pay your rent, your mortgage, kids in school, whatever your expenses are. And then there's the want to make number right? Which is like, how many vacations are you going to take? Where are you going to stay? What kind of car are you going to drive, right? Like all of those things. Um, How much money are you going to give to charity? Like what types of clothing are you going to wear? How nice is your flat going to be? Like what, like all of those questions are the difference between the need to make and the want to make. And in between that is like how many hours you're going to spend working, what kind of job you're going to have, all of those different questions that I talk about a lot in Limitless. But the, the, once you've gotten to the need to make number, then it's a matter of figuring out all the rest of it is investment. 
right? It's what is this going to, what is this going to, to build into later? Yeah. And later is always worth more than now. Definitely. Yeah. Always like people, a lot of people just don't get it. They just, they think that like, I need it now. I need to get this thing now. Like, you don't understand if I don't get it now, then it's the end of the world. I'm like, look, just breathe. Firstly, just breathe, relax, like take yes. a good breath and like, don't expect things that you really want in life that are really important to you to come fast. Like I want to, I want a fancy apartment one day. It's not mm-hmm. like right now. I need to hustle my ass off for the next couple of years. If not like the next, you know, give myself the, a limited time for like 10 years. In the next 10 years, Sadie, go and just work as much as you can because you have the time right now to do it. When I become right. older and I have responsibilities and you have a family or you get married and you have kids, that's it. Your time, you get less time. And so you can't leverage. That's when you have to like kind of leverage other people's time. Yes. But right now it's like me and everything is just me, my time, 24 hours a day. How do I make the most of my 24 hours? Yes. 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 Agreed. Agreed. So the next one, the fourth one is impact beats action. And this is, you know, you know, you know this already because you watched my, my, my TEDx. Um, Yeah. I think we're always so busy trying to get to inbox zero, trying to get down our to-do list, all the meetings, all the rest. And the truth is that when your time is being prioritized by somebody else, you aren't prioritizing your own time. That's just, that's just the bottom line. So um, it's really important to make sure that no matter what you're doing, you're thinking, does like, does this action help me get to where I want to get to? Like finish the job, um, serve the cause, get the raise, get the promotion. Because if it's not serving that, then you're serving something else, which isn't necessarily yours. And in my TEDx, I talk about how the way to not be busy, but to actually create impact is to stop asking, how can I help all the time? How can I help? What can I do? What can I be the center of? but rather what needs to happen. So what does success mean for this cause, for this problem, for this company, for this community? What needs to happen for us to get there? And from there, then you can find your place in it. But the problem needs to dictate the solution, not you dictating the solution. Hmm. No, I don't want to add to that because you just, you, you, you put it so beautifully. Now you put it even better, I think, in the TED Talk, the way you put it together, I was like, wow like firstly I was like I wish I could speak like the way you speak because it's just like I I speak just like I don't care what people think about me like whatever comes up my mind the rawest most authentic like my TED talk was not even rehearsed it was just like on the day I had my slides and I just looked at the slide and whatever came to my mind I just shared yeah I mean I've honestly I wish I did that like as I told you before we started filming I hate, I hate watching my Ted talk now. Like I, I still like the idea, but I, I present it completely differently. And again, it was my very first talk I ever gave. So I am stiff and I'm uncomfortable and I'm nervous. And I'm, I'm, you know, if you know me well, you know, at like the 11 minute mark, I like look off stage left and you could tell I'd forgotten what I was supposed to say next. And then I took a deep breath and then I remembered it and it was okay. But I was like, uh, okay. (laughs) So now I get on stage and I'm like cocktail party me. I did a whole lot of um, speaker training after I did that talk and uh, a a very good friend and an excellent coach said to me, Laura, you're funny. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're funny. I see that. Be funny. Be funny. Like I'm not funny in my TEDx. Like I tell a couple of jokes, but I'm clearly like, here's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's like, it's uncomfortable for me to watch, but now I get on stage and I'm like, woohoo. Yeah. And it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I'm not scripted. I'm not rehearsed. I just, I get up and I tell stories and it is 
so much better than that. But, you know, look, it's also been five years since I gave that talk. So I've, yeah. I've learned a lot. Exactly. And learn a lot. Practice, practice makes perfect as well. Yes. You've done a lot more speaking. Yeah. Yes. I mean, people always say to me, how comes I put out so much content every single day or all over social? I'm like, look, when I first started, I was, by the way, Laura, before over six years ago, I used to be super shy. I couldn't speak to a woman. I had eight friends. All I did was play Call of Duty, go to work at Morgan Stanley, come home, eat, sleep, repeat. That was my life. Look at you now. And, and like people see me now thinking, how are you? have at least nine friends. How, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, and they, but the one question everybody asks is like, how are you so confident? I'm like, yeah. go and see my first video. Yeah. Like, it's not, I wasn't born like that. I just yeah. learned to just not give a crap about other people's opinions. Yeah. And that shift just changed my life. I don't care what people think about me. I just want to be sadic. I want to be comfortable. I want to be me. I want people to appreciate and love me for who I am because I'm not a bad guy. I just want love, kindness yeah. in the world. You know, there's a there's there's a, a, a an author, uh, Isaac Asimov. So if you're a science fiction fan, Isaac Asimov wrote like 500 books. And there's a story that uh, he told once where he went ran to somebody at a cocktail party and they were like, you know, I didn't like this book. And I didn't like this part and this part and this part and this part. And he was like, which book is that? I've, I've written like five books since then. Like, it's like you put out a lot of videos, you put out a lot of content. And so you don't have to be as wedded to every single one of them being perfect. Mm -hmm. You just have to be you and you just have to be better in this one than you were in the last one. And you'll be better in tomorrow's than you are today. That's it. That's all you have to do. You just, just keep producing, just keep making your art. And while everyone else is busy giving you their opinion on it, you're just making more art. Just keep making art. Love it, Laura. You spot on, like, again, like, just perfect like honestly that's exactly what people should be doing just focusing on them and nobody yes. else like just self-love yes. self all day and then after you've become somewhat confident and and you you believe in yourself more than anyone else around you believes in yes yourself, yes that's when you're just like okay now it's time to serve now yes to give back now it's like trying to give my energy back to from what i've learned to the people in the world that need this energy of mine now yes yeah, so that brings us to the last lesson which is that we beats me yes it's always better to be doing things with other people. They make you better. There's a great Jim Rohn quote that I'm pretty sure you've heard a million times, which is like, you're the average of the five people you keep closest to you. But there's a, a, a legendary basketball player here in the United States named John Wooden, who said, you will never outperform your inner circle. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's actually different than you're the average of the five people you keep closest to you. You're the average of the five people you keep closest to you means that like if your friends are obese, you're going to become obese too. If your friends are fit, you're going to be fit too. But if you have in your inner circle, some people who you're pulling up and some people who you're reaching for, then you're going to be able to get there. But if only the people in your inner circle are your average, you're never going to outperform that. You're never going to get better. And so I constantly think about the people in my inner circle as my peers, because, you know, <laughs> you need a pity party every once in a while, right? I am my peers. I had struggle bus friends, somebody who I'm mentoring, because if I'm mentoring somebody, then I'm constantly teaching. And the only way that you really know something is if you teach it to somebody else. It also, by the way, helps get rid of imposter syndrome, because if you can teach someone else and they think you're awesome, you can't be an imposter because there's somebody who's like looking up to you. And then the third group are people that I am aspirational. I'm just absolutely, I want to be like them. They are incredible. One of my dear friends was the first female F-14 fighter pilot in the U.S. Navy. Wow. Another one of my friends was the first woman who captained the all-female expedition up Everest. Whenever I'm feeling like I don't want to do something, I don't want to get something done, one of them sends me a text and they're like, get up and do it. Let's go. And like, what am I going to do? Say no. Right. When they say to you, you're really good and you're really smart, but you're too smart for your book just to be really good. You need to make it great. 
you go back to the drawing board and you make it great because they're forcing you because you you want to be there. Yeah. If you want to try to get to that place, you got to have those people in your in your back pocket. So we is definitely better than me. Going it alone is never going to get you there. And the more you think about we, the more you think about the community, the country, the world, and all the ways that you can serve as well. Thousand percent. Love it. Honestly, it just like gives me goosebumps listening to what you just shared because it's something that I live by. Like everybody that I know right now in my circle, they they look up to me, but I kind of indirectly without them knowing, I look up to them. You know, I, yes. I, I'm actually learning from them. I'm actually seeing like, like I appreciate and I love the compliments, but like it's also like very difficult for a lot of people to take the compliments and let it get to your ego and let it get to your head and be like, oh, wow, yes. like they all think that I'm this guy now. And like, I'm just like, look, I'm, thank you so much. I'm super grateful. Like, thank you for the love. Thank you for the kindness. But then I'm in my other side of my mind. I'm just like, you got to keep going. Like, don't allow these compliments or the negativity either, like both. The, the good things and the bad things don't allow it to dictate your life you just keep yeah. you just stay focused just keep going celebrate yeah. your wins share share the love share the kindness share the the energy with everybody but positive and good and bad and the negative that comes to you in, into your life take it both and as as equal as you can and just don't let it affect you like let it take it let it bounce off you and then you just keep keep doing you but like, Sadiq uh, let me give you one thing that took me a very long time to learn because I grew up very awkward, nerdy. I was like in the popular kids, but I was like always the one who was like, I think I'm going to get kicked out any moment insecure. Right. And years later, when I would have some success, people would tell me that I was amazing. And I'd be like, you're just blowing smoke up my ass. Right. Like I just, I just didn't believe it. It didn't feel real. I, I, I didn't, I didn't accept it. I pushed it away. And it took me years to understand that you're, intuitive stuff, the things that you could do in your sleep is magic to me. Mm. Just like what I do that's intuitive to me is magic to you. And we underwrite, we underestimate, we undercut, we undersell, we undervalue what is intuitive to us because it's just intuitive to us. It seems like everyone else should be able to do it because we can just do it. But that doesn't make it any less magical to other people. So it is really important that you absorb, that you receive and that you absorb those compliments because that's people showing you what your magic is and it's people showing you what they rely on you to constantly bring into their lives. Wow, I love that. Okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll remember that. I'll definitely remember that because yeah, for me, it's like it's been a journey of just like accepting the good and the bad. And as, as, as I receive the love as well, I understand that these people genuinely have impacted them in some way through my content, my videos, my coaching, whatever. But it's like, I can't let that, I just, I'm just so, I'm just so worried that's going to get to my little inner ego and be like, oh, like, you you know, you're young and everybody's saying, all these elder people are saying these good things about you. Like, it's, don't let it get to your head, Sadiq, just stay focused, keep going, take it in and receive it, but just don't let it get to my ego. So that's or, what I'm worried about. Or let it get to your ego and know that it's fueling you to be bigger, to do more, to get a bigger reach oh, for yeah, this podcast, is. to have more coaching clients. Because if you had more money, more leverage, more time, more power, more voice, could you affect the lives of more people? 100%. Yeah. And are you affecting people well right now? Yeah. So should you be affecting more? Absolutely. <laughs> like it's not just ambition. It's not ego. It's your responsibility. You have a gift. And, you know, Seth Godin, um, the marketing genius, Seth Godin says, if you have a gift and you're not sharing with as many people as you can, you're stealing that from them. 
Yeah. So, you know, give, give, give. We beats me. Yeah, I love that. Oh, awesome. I'll keep that in mind. That's going to be like something dear to my heart now because that is a powerful lesson for sure. And it's, it's the one on the, the last one on your list. Um, before we end the show, Laura, I want to ask you one question that I ask all my guests at the end of the show, which is this. So you've given a TED talk, right? And you've said like there was, you gave a huge one with a massive audience. But now, like that was, when was that TED talk? How many years ago? It was it's fall of 2016. It launched my speaking career. Wow. Okay. So that's like literally just over, like over five years ago now, right? Yes. Around five years ago. Wow. At the time of this. So, okay. So let's say now like this, this is like the, after five years of like grown, leveled up, like next level speaking from Laura now. So you're now you're going to do not the TEDx talk. You're going to do an actual TED talk, like the big one, the big, big one. And I want you to imagine there's 90,000 people in the room, 90,000. Yes. This is Laura. Okay. So you would have probably crap yourself if that was like the 2016 Laura 100 <laughs> percent for those who did not for those who did not hear us talking before we started recording I said my biggest fear when I gave that TEDx was that I was going to crap myself so that was that that's where that came from <laughs> exactly thank you for confirming <laughs> um so you're you're, at, you're standing on that stage like you're walking up to the stage and you're going to give this speech to 90,000 people now because this is going to be like a massive stadium arena yes and you give this phenomenal speech you're literally You've gave all your heart and soul. And obviously in this next speech now, five years later, you are that cocktail Laura, right? You are that yes. proper, real, authentic, vulnerable, like just yes. crazy, crazy Laura, the one that pure bread, you know, like the, the yes. that everybody wants to see, the funny one, the, the, the super vulnerable, authentic one. Yes. At the end of your talk, there's always that line that we get told to leave the audience with, right? In that imagine right right now you've given you've given the talk like you've given this phenomenal talk it was about 15 minutes and at the end you just wanted everybody these 90,000 people in the room to remember Laura by for the rest of their life what would that be in one sentence that one sentence that you leave at the end for these 90,000 people well I can tell you what I say right now which is I give a whole talk about how to be limitless what it would feel like to be limitless what's getting in the way of being limitless and so I leave I you know I am often introduced on stage as a kick in the ass wrapped in a warm hug so I'm like so let me give you a bit of both number let me and then leave you with three questions number one what would it feel like right now to be truly limitless, to let go of all of those things that are holding you back, the voices in your head, the voices of the people who shouldn't get votes? What would it feel like to be your truly authentic, very best limitless self? Number two, what would you need to do today, right now, this week, at this event, in order to start making moves to become that limitless you? And number three, and most importantly, what would be the cost if you don't? three very deep powerful questions I think honestly just left everybody for like introspection and a good time out like this those three questions require a lot of deep reflection and introspection to really get deeper and like I think most people right now obviously with with what's going on around the world as well with the pandemic and stuff like it's just been very hard for people to get deep in themselves although they've been at home they're going deep in another kind of direction they're not going deep as in what should I actually really be doing with my life? They're going deep as in, holy crap, like, what do I do with my life now? Because I can't go out, I can't see my friends, I can't go yep. to parties, I can't, um, the, the the whole interaction has gone. So um, I think those three questions would definitely leave a lot of people like left for like just reflection. So thank you for sharing that, Laura. And honestly, thank you so much for sharing all your amazing wisdom and your kindness and your energy on the show. 
Um, how can everybody go and reach out to you? And also I'll be linking everything to the podcast and under the YouTube video, all the links to your books. But if anybody wants to come specifically ask you a question or they want to learn something from you or specifically come and ask you something, what platforms can they go reach you on? Yeah, so my name is Laura Gassner Odding, which is a lot of name that people spell wrong all the time. So all my good friends call me LGO. So I am Hey LGO on all the socials, at Hey LGO everywhere. And if you go to HeyLGO.com, that is a shortcut that brings you to my website. Awesome. And I will be linking all of that stuff under the podcast episode, um, all over the uh, audio platforms and the YouTube channel, guys. So make sure you guys go and reach out to Laura. Honestly, I've been following her since I've uh, since I've listened to your podcast with Amberly. I started following you and I love your stuff. I love what you're doing. And honestly, just thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. And please if let me know if I can ever be of service to you and and, and give anything to you. Please let me know because I want to I want to be able to have you in my kind of inner circle as well. Absolutely. Well, I think you're terrific. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Laura. And um, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. And uh, hopefully I will catch up with you soon. Thank you. You're welcome. If you're still listening, I just want to say a massive thank you from the bottom of my heart. It truly means a lot that you're taking time out of your busy life to invest in yourself, to learn something new. And now, as a mentor of mine once taught me, teach it to others. Whichever platform you use, share whatever you've learned today with someone else out there in the world because we all need to spread more growth mindset related content out there for people to learn and change their lives too. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, let others know that there are guests on here who are sharing wisdom that's going to change their life and I hope to see you on the next episode. Take care.